You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next 60 minutes or so, we're going to be talking about Doctor Who, so you don't have to. I'm JR, and um, this is a subject I've wanted to get into in depth for quite some time, really. And just in the run-up to uh, Series 11 starting, seemed the perfect time. And so I've got in touch with the perfect person in order to do it. And that is the subject of viewing figures, but not just what the viewing figures are, what the viewing figures mean. And so I have got in touch with... Mr. Tom Spilsbury, to come back and talk with me for, well, we'll see how long, about viewing figures. Hello, Tom. How are you? Hello. Hello. I'm, I'm well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Um, well, you were the editor of Doctor Who magazine for, God, what, how many years? Eight? Something like that? Ten? Ten years, yeah. 2007 to 2017. Wow. Um, because I was there for four and a half before that as the deputy editor so exactly overall 14 and a half years and during the course of that time and now i've just blanked what was it called public the column that you did public image yeah public image that's it god i just blanked on the name just before i was about to say it which of course was an in-depth look at the viewing figures and what they mean so i thought the two of us might go through not in a great deal of detail but go through uh, skimming over the surface and going through it just a little bit, the viewing figures from the return in 2005, yeah. so that we've got a bit of historical perspective. Okay. Talk about And talk about the, the reasons why the viewing figures might have gone up and down since then, and obviously specifically down because the viewing figures are lower now than they were then. But talk about the reasons why, and then maybe towards the end of the podcast, look forward to Series 11 and... Uh, Maybe talk a little bit about the fact that it's moved to Sunday and okay. maybe predict what the viewing figures might be like. But try and do it with a sort of more realistic, more thoughtful um, perspective than just a knee-jerk response to, oh, the viewing figures are two million down. Disaster. Doctor Who's about to finish. That sort of thing. I shall do my best. <laughs> well, um, before we get into actually going back to Series 1 in 2005 Ooh. and just looking at a few averages and stuff. The public image column, that ran, if I remember rightly, that ran from the first series, didn't it? Or did it yes, come in? It, well, it existed before that because it, it had run in the 1990s as the name of the column which looked at ratings for the repeats back, you know, the BBC Two repeats. Oh, right, uh, yeah. And, and also um, looked at things like sort of the VHS chart positions and things like that. So there was... Uh. There was um, you know, an attempt in those days. I don't think it went right back as far as the Sylvester McCoy years. It might have done because they did report the viewing yeah. back then um, in Doctor Who magazine. But um, from what I remember, um, it, it, I don't think anyone ever really cared that much about viewing figures generally in Doctor Who fan circles. Yeah. I mean, um, until probably round about the time of the Trial of a Time Lord when it had been when it had been taken off air for a, 
you know, in the middle of the Colin Baker years. And I think that was the point when, because the viewing figures was one of the things that um, had been cited, cited yeah. as, you know, a reason for, you know, Doctor Who being on, on slightly borrowed time and, and, you know, it was, it was under the watchful eye of the, the BBC bosses. Yeah. Um, I think that was the point where collectively we became more aware of, of, of how it was doing. I don't think, I don't really think anyone, you know, they, they, you could find out what they were, um, but I don't think anyone was that fussed or bothered or, or you know, one way or the other, really. Yeah. So I think they started getting reported. And then during the 90s, of course, it was off air anyway, but it was quite nice to see if it was, if it was, you know, having a relatively decent audience on BBC Two, you know, because it was all, uh, you know, um, if if the, the Sea Devils or whatever was being repeated got three million viewers on on BBC Two for a, for quite an old show, that was uh, perhaps an indication that there was still interest in in Doctor Who. So yeah, yeah, of course. So when Doctor Who did come back in two thousand and five, um, you know, I, I um, very much wanted to do something that could put the whatever the results were. Um, into some sort of perspective to to just just give people an idea about what what it meant in in the a 2005 context because that was the other thing is that you know if you said seven million viewers without context exactly in 1974 what that might, would have meant or in 2005 or whatever you know um you needed to, to have an idea about what everything else was doing so so that's what I wanted to do with that column. And of course, a large part of it depends on how they're counted as well. Uh, yeah. Because uh, if I remember rightly, back in the 1980s, those viewing figures for Sylvester McCoy didn't include any kind of catch-up. People who were recording it on VHS, if I remember no, rightly. No, that's, that's true. Um, well, a, a very quick history lesson. Um, yeah. Till um, 1981... Um, the viewing figures that you'll see reported, and you'll see it, you know, for not just for Doctor Who, but all sorts of things pre pre the nineteen eighties, really. Um, were, were there were two, actually two different sets of viewing figures um, which which float around and, and aren't necessarily that different, but they they, they do differ a little bit. But it was in nineteen eighty one that Barb, the um, basically the, the company that still compiles viewing figures right, right up to the present day. Shall we say what is is British Audience Research Bureau? I believe so, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, they, they started in 1981, which would have been a Doctor Who sense was sort of after the Tom Baker years had finished, because um, it was, it was late-ish, 81, I think. Um, but um, it, it started using just a more, you know, a bigger sample of people. It was more scientifically accurate. And, of course, in more recent years, you know, it's become more sophisticated in the way that they can gather that data. Yeah. So um, although, you know, that's not to sort of dismiss figures which are earlier, yeah. but as you would expect, um, we can be a lot more sophisticated now about, about gathering that sort of information, um, particularly as there are so many more channels and... Um, uh, and ways to watch, you know, mm. you, you'd hope that the, the 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 way of gathering statistical data is going to keep up with that that change. Yeah. So, and obviously, one of the big things that happened then uh, was the introduction of Channel Four during the nineteen eighties, which yes, was meant two or something. I, was, I think it was eighty two. Yeah, I was just about to say eighty two, and then I thought, oh, I can't swear on it, but it would have been around then. That meant that now there was 33% more channels that people could tune into. Yes. So the, the viewing figures are divided up four ways instead of three. 
Later on in the 1980s, you start to get B Sky B and the whole revolution that Doctor yeah. Who kind of missed because that revolution really occurred while Doctor Who was off the air. So, yes, particularly the 1990s, that's true. Um, yeah. You mentioned briefly about sort of, uh, 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 even in the 1980s, you know, because we, we, a lot of us had video recorders in the 1980s and we yeah. might have uh, recorded Doctor Who while somebody else in the house was watching Coronation Street. You know, that was the sort of thing that that that, uh, that, that certainly happened. And oh, and yes, just before you go on, one note on that, which might prove relevant later. If you're living in a family of people who want to watch Coronation Street and you're the odd one out who wants to watch Doctor Who, then Coronation Street gets the live viewers and Doctor Who gets the catch-up viewer. Yes, and also because I think quite often if, if you were the one Doctor Who fan, you might want to keep the... The recording, you know, yeah, so that, yeah. was, um, that was another reason for um, it being the one that got videoed. You know, you'd, it'd be pretty luxurious to be able to record more than one thing simultaneously. So, yeah, um, so yeah that's that's true. I mean, that said, it, it's all um, it's difficult to say exactly because obviously the whole point is it wasn't this data isn't isn't recorded for posterity. Yeah. Um, but bit by bit, you know, um, the system did start to change, and certainly by the time. But we get to the mid 1990s, so only you know five or six years later, um, the, the the viewing figures do now start to include video recordings, as that would have been the mm. the way of you know the main, possibly only way of catch up. Really, I mean, there wasn't if you didn't video it, how else would you? you know, yeah. There's no eye there and things like that. So, um, so yes, uh, I, I don't ask me exactly the date some of that changed, but um, but it was it was clearly something which they knew they had to address. I mean, actually, for all the fact that you could record things, when they did first start including those um, figures, it didn't make a huge difference. So my guess is, if you if you go backwards to 1989, although Doctor Who was probably one of those programmes that had perhaps more people recording it to watch later than, than some others, I doubt it would have made a huge difference. Anyone suggesting that it would have put a million or two onto the figures? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I think so. Um, maybe you could bump them up by about 0.05, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, 50,000 or so, 100,000 at best. But um, it's uh, at that time, um, that's one of the reasons why it took them a while to, to do it, because actually these things have to start making a significant difference before before the technology starts um, to... to Oh, yeah, yeah, before anybody thinks it's important enough to start taking it into account. Yes, I'm just really sort of starting to introduce various factors that in one way or another become more important later on. Um, look, shall we... Series one, Rose, mm. the consolidated yes. audience for Rose was 10.81 million. But yeah. the rest of series one... Um, Across about the next seven episodes, there's a sort of average about 8 million. And then as you get into the slightly warmer weather and the slightly sunnier days, that drops to about seven. So yes. altogether, there's an average. Well, actually, there's an average across the season of 7.95 million. But if you yep. exclude Rose, because that got 3 million more than any of the others. Snap, no, yeah. 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 The average for the next 10 actually comes in at about 7.75 million, I think. Yeah. So the audience for series one was somewhere just below 8 million. Now, in terms of the viewing figures that we knew from the classic series, where some of the episodes would get 16 million, but that was very rare. Ordinarily, the classic series yeah. 
I if average across the 26 years as sort of median average as opposed to the mean average as it were is probably about nine million so I, I worked this out once um, oh, did you? I think the absolute mean average I think is about eight million right um, but yes yeah, so you're right that of course you know you know what they say about lies damn lies and statistics <laughs> yeah. well, um, obviously you have odd ones like as you mentioned I mean I think one episode went to about 16 million it wasn't yeah. it was literally one it was a yes. Um, and, and not many others came came too close to that. So of course you get, you know, uh, sort of exceptions and, and all sorts of things. But they tend to, you know, drag it one way and then drag it the other way. So actually, you know, it, it's um, it, Doctor Who was always a program which um, you know it had a good wide viewership. Yes, um, but it probably wasn't the you know one of the absolute top programs on tv it, it just wasn't you know there were pro- there were always programs that did better yeah well doctor who very rarely bothered the sort of top sort of 20 of the weekly charts really yeah there aren't many and again i, I obviously when you're talking in, in those days we're talking about um you know not as many uh not as many channels but mm. of course we have big big figures you know sort of every every evening because actually it was just what people would be more likely to do. I always used to joke that we all watched a question of sport, whether we like sport or not, because it was either that or talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> so you see these huge figures for certain programs, which wouldn't, you you couldn't dream of getting now, you know, I mean, a question of sport is still running, isn't it? But you know, it's now a relatively niche thing. Whereas back in the day, as I say, people would watch it, not because they were particularly obsessed by that show, but because, um, there was nothing else know, to watch. Yeah. Uh, then I don't mean that to be uh, too disparaging, um, but I think you know what was the case with Doctor Who is it's always been something that people who watch it genuinely really want to watch it, um, and that's it's more the case now with every program because you know there's so much more choice. What people don't watch things they don't want to watch, whereas I think back in the past, um, back to the 1960s and 70s, um, you, you had what you were served up. Absolutely, and uh, do you know the, the, the I was going to bring that up too. You're right. Back in the day. Uh, and this was before people had computer consoles and things like that too. So they didn't really have an alternative. If you were in in the evening, and most people were in in the evening, you had the television on, you had a choice of three channels, and between them, those three channels were going to divide up, I don't know, 40 million viewers. So, you know, the numbers for whatever was on were going to be pretty high on BBC One and ITV. And... The, but but that's an interesting thing because you say back in those days people watched things because they were on because pretty much you had three channels and there wasn't an awful lot else to watch. These days, of course, and you pointed this out, people will watch things because they want to watch things. So the interesting thing that is worth bringing up there is to introduce the audience... Oh, I don't know what AI stands for. Audience Index. Appreciation Index. Appreciation Index, yeah. Which for series one was just under eighty three. It's eighty two point eight across an average across the thirteen episodes. Right. Yeah. Back in the classic series, the AI would generally be somewhere around the region of fifty five to sixty five. I think. Yeah. Although again, that's even less directly comparable because they totally changed the way those were compiled. Yeah. So, I mean, even less so than the raw viewing figures. Uh, uh, you know, you have to to. Um, 
look at those quite differently, really. Um, but the reason but, I introduce it is because it shows, you know, if you just take the viewing figures, you know, on face value, it shows that these days Doctor Who is watched more by people who watch it because they enjoy it and they want to watch it. Every every show, every yes, show, is exactly by, by people who want to watch it. Um, you very rarely see, um, you know, AI figures dipping much below. 70 or so and then their their figures out of 100 yeah um because people don't watch programs they 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 don't think you you tend to see it on odd things like um party political broadcasts or (laughs) or um i think there were some quite low ais when they changed everything on top gear which was interesting because you obviously had a loyal audience there but but obviously the whole presenting team changed um and so people did watch that first one, but it wasn't what they expected. See, big changes yes. uh, by their very nature um, are likely to create a more, um, uh, you know, mixed response simply yes. because, you know, people don't know in advance what they're going to get. So you're always going to find that even if lots of people love it, some people will think, well, that's not what I you know, was expecting or wanted. So, so it's very difficult to get that. I think if you look at those AI figures for Rose. Um, it, it's actually lower than a lot of the rest of the season because clearly there were people who they didn't know what to expect. You know, so you 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 that that's exactly what you would think would happen is that, yeah. that um, as the audience becomes a little bit narrower, as the people that like it, the appreciation is going to comparatively go up, isn't it? Well, so. I can I can tell you what happens. Rose starts with an AI of eighty one which dips to 79 and then 80 for the next two episodes, then comes back to 81, and then the rest of the series series stays above 81 and gradually climbs up to 89. So you're right. As as the audience... Pedantic about it, they changed the AI figures after the the, the system of doing it after episode four. Oh, did they? Yeah. Rose has an AI of 76, according to the other system. So it's... You you know, and and, um, I think... I've got them all written down somewhere. I don't mm. know uh, if I have them easily to hand. But um, again, depending on who you ask, you're going to get a slightly different result, aren't you? So this right, is why yeah. AI figures in particular, um, I've never really bothered um, sort of expanding too much energy on them because um, for the most part, actually, and that's something Stephen Moffat said to me once, is that if a program is getting a, a lot of viewers, nobody cares what the AI figure is. It's, yeah. it, AI figures are basically there to justify programs that aren't being watched by very many people because you can point to say, ah, but look, look what a, how appreciated it is amongst the people that are are watching it. So, you know, BBC Four shows that, that, that get 150,000 viewers. Um, but look, you know, they're rating it 94 out of 100. I'm, I'm being slightly facetious, but there's there's a lot of truth in that because, yeah. you know, obviously the the more people you you have watching something, um, the, the, you know, the less likely it is you're going to be able to get a hugely positive result because, you know, the the, the the sheer number of people is going to drag it back down slightly. It's going to include a lot of people who are just watching it out of curiosity and yeah. maybe aren't in exceptions. Yeah. I mean, as, as I'm, we'll, I'm sure we can come to, but. Um, you know, there ha- there have been times where where you know, and generally Doctor Who has had pretty good appreciation levels as well as having good uh, high audience levels. Um, you know, so that's a, that's a good combination. But but in terms of you know, I, I always think actually if, if Doctor Who magazine hadn't started 
researching and publishing what AI figures were. I doubt we'd ever even have heard of them. Yes, probably. They're just internal for internal use, really. And, and, and I think probably Doctor Who fans are the people that take them more seriously than anyone at the BBC or, or, um, or, or any other channel. Um, so, yes, but, you know, the important thing, first and foremost, is people watch it in the first place. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely, yeah. Well, and the other thing I wanted to bring in, because there's like a triptych of things here, and I don't want to really go into too much detail across the history of the last 13 years, but I want to introduce, want to introduce this third thing, and then we'll just kind of very quickly go through and then look at what everything means. Because I think, and you're absolutely right, it's the audience first and foremost. But I think there are various different factors that offset each other. And it's, to my mind, understanding the popularity, I suppose, of Doctor Who is a combination of these various different factors and understanding how they relate to each other as well. And the next one, obviously, is the chart position. Because... Right, yeah. Because obviously, Doctor Who could be getting 8 million viewers. If it's number one in the chart, that means it's the most popular programme. But if it's number 100 in the chart and 99 other programmes are getting more than 8 million viewers, then it's, you know, that the chart position is quite important in that it shows yeah, you... It shows you how the programme's doing yeah. relative to others. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, again, none of these things on their own tell the full story, do they? They, no. they all tell part of the story. Um, absolutely. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, the, we're, we're very used to what, what sort of sounds like a good number because, you know, here we are in the United Kingdom with, you know, around whatever we are now, 66 million people who live yeah. in something like that. Um, you know, so in that sense, even the most watched program in history, we still um, we still have more people who didn't watch it yes. than did. Um, so you know, there's there's going to be that that sort of relative idea. So the relative idea of you know, were you watched by more more than what you could have been watching? You know, was it the most watched program of the night, of yes. the week, of the month? You know, um, and and even the year. You know, um, we now see that perhaps the most watched program of the year might not be as much as it would have been, you know, a good decade or twenty years ago. But then again, you know, there's always going to be these odd, odd exceptions when a World Cup comes along or something like that. So yes, of course. Um, by the same token, I think we have to be slightly careful because you know, Doctor Who might have a particularly low chart position comparatively one week because there were. Um, you know, because it was in the week when Britain's Got Talent was on twice every night. Yes, I was going to bring that up later on. So, so I think you also have to put that into account as well, that that doesn't suddenly mean that Doctor Who comparatively became way less popular that week. Well, just just that to, yeah. Suddenly dominated. Just to flash forward, I did, as when Series 10 was on, I was looking at, and this is just um, an example I'll give, of something that's a big factor in terms of the chart position. When um, Series 4 was reaching its climax, Doctor Who was being watched by more people than Coronation Street, Emmerdale, EastEnders. Right, yeah. But as soon as Doctor Who drops below those three programmes, and that's just three programmes, because each of those three programmes has five episodes on a week... Doctor Who drops below three programmes, but it drops 15 places in the charts. Oh, yeah. And, and, and as you would expect with any charts, whether you're looking at the pop charts or whatever, yeah. the further down the chart you go, the more tightly packed everything is going to be together. There will mm -hmm. be smaller differences. So if you look at, the, say, the, the official singles chart, you know, the difference between being at number 
50 and number 60 might be quite small you know there'll be whereas the difference between number one and number 10 might be it's still only 10 places but it's it's huge um, yeah yeah it's much bigger. that that's that's true of any um any list that you would make that the the, the you know the, the differences are going to become smaller the further down that, that list you go so um so yes you're absolutely right that um when you have those soap operas and um emmerdale and cory are both six a week now um, and sometimes on odd occasions can even even have an extra one or two on top of that. So, um, so yeah, you know, that's going to make a big difference. Um, also, though, I mean, you know, it might be a time of year when there aren't so many big shows on. That's to, to play devil's advocate slightly. Sometimes Doctor Who, when it's been on in the summer, has partly become because there haven't been many other big shows on. So comparatively, yeah. you know, it's not having to, to go up against, um, you know, other huge rating uh you know, talent shows and things like that, you know, when, when, um, you know, when we've been in say July, when was it journey's end was on, that was number one for the whole week, but um, it was, was, uh, which was a fantastic achievement. And I I hope I'm I'm not playing it down in any way, but there weren't as many popular programs on at that time of year than there would have been if it had been November, December, January. So all these things, you know, they, they, you can only, you can only, uh, do so well in the environment that you're you're actually in so yes true and when doctor who moves from spring to the autumn it takes a bit of a hit because autumn is well autumn is the time when most of the tv stations put out their big hitters because those are the times when the nights start to draw in and people are drawn to their television sets instead of being away on holiday or maybe just going out for the evening that kind of stuff so autumn is off uh, Autumn's always been a time when there's more competition around. Um, look, should we... Uh, let's just quickly go through the Russell T. Davis ones. Okay. And we'll show a picture of Doctor Who slightly increasing in popularity across the four years. But then something major happens that I want to get into before we look at the Matt Smith years. So, okay... Series one, I'll just read out the figures as I've got them in front of me. I mean, you say there are different ways of counting, but these are in the ballpark. Series one gets an average audience, not including rows, of about 7.75 million. Mm. Series two is just tiny bit down on that to 7.71. And series three is down again just slightly further at 7.55. But then series four, and not including Journey's End, which got a huge spike because of the... um, David Tennant might be regenerating thing. Series four, not including the last episode, is an average of 7.75. Or if you include the last episode, across the 13 episodes, that takes it up to 8.05 million on average. Yeah. I mean, because I'm not sure to what extent it's helpful to sort of start excluding things anyway, because, well, you know, yeah. all of the finales, I think, with possible exception of the first one, but, you know, Doomsday and Last of the Time Lords, they didn't go quite as up. They still were higher than the rest. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, so, you know, if you really want to start sort of picking and choosing which which bits of data you include. Um, well, the, the, the picture I'm drawing, though, is that basically across the four series, the viewing figures stayed more or less in the same fairly place. Consistent, fairly consistent. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing I'll quickly point out as well, which um, uh, people sort of forget because it's a long time ago now, but in those first four or five years, um, there was there was always at least one, sometimes two BBC free repeats that yes. were on. And they got quite decent figures. Some of them were well over a million that those 
those BBC three repeats got. And actually, although there was a very slight decline, as you were just describing, for the BBC one yeah. uh, consolidated ratings, that was more than made up for by um, the BBC figures, which actually went up um, across those years. So, But the one uh, thing about the BBC three that I'll bring in, because some people will be holding their hands in the air and saying, ah, but those BBC three programmes also included a commentary on the red button that you could access. But let's yeah. be honest about this. Those commentaries were probably accessed by maybe 10,000 people. Well, um, again, this is where it all gets to, so complex, isn't it? Because... Yeah. Uh, but because, the majority you know, of people who are watching are, but, um, <laughs> the majority yeah. of people watching on BBC Three were not watching the commentary. Let's put it that way. I wouldn't have thought so anyway. No, um, the, the, the I think there was sort of estimated something like ninety percent plus were, were just people who who hadn't watched it on the Saturday night or or another recording. They yeah. were watching um, for the first time. So um, yeah, it, it, it's. It's fair to say that, however you weigh these things up, it was it was a hit. It was a big hit. Yes. Um, but th- there was really very whether it slightly went down. I think it probably actually overall slightly went up. But it's it, there wasn't a huge difference across those those years really. And there, um, you, you know, iPlayer comes in in two thousand and seven, which I'm sure you're well, Christmas two thousand and seven. Well, this is so, what I was going to bring up, and they had a major um, update. In yeah. 2010, which is, I, I well, I, let me just finish off what I was going to say then, um, and then we'll get into the subject of iPlayer because that's quite a conversation. Yeah. So, across series one to four, the AI starts at 82.8 for the average for series one, and by series four, it's gone up via 85 and 86 to 88.08, and the chart right. position's gone up from 17th up to um, 10th on average, or just below 10th. So by the time you get to the end of Series 4, on average, Doctor Who's just about scraping the outside of the top 10 every, uh, you know, on average across the 13 weeks. Yes, yeah, I mean, there was no doubt about it. It was it was incredibly popular. And I think, broadly speaking, with all the caveats we've just been talking about, I think it, it, it did actually get more more popular over those years you yes. know um, it's it, it's um you know there are there are certain exceptions and, and odd little quirks that you can point to but yes for the most part um you know very very successful right the iPlayer it's um <clears throat> right I, I did a bit of research on this and although the research is filled with lots of technical jargon and it's rather muddy to read and I also did a bit of research into smart TVs because unless you're watching the iPlayer on a smart TV, A, it, it doesn't count. The, the viewing figures only count what you watch on a television set, regardless of where the signal's coming from, as it were. So the um, proliferation of smart TVs is quite important. But also, prior to the proliferation of smart TVs, a lot of people didn't actually have access to iPlayers because yeah, or, I mean, or they'd be able to watch it on the computer, but most people wouldn't. Well, well, this is another thing. iPlayer in itself, as I say, Voyage of the Damned in Christmas 2007 would have been the first Doctor Who episode to have benefited from people being able to watch it in that way. Um, if I remember, I'm pretty well, sure. Well, it was actually it. created in October 2005, but I don't think they actually put it out to the public. I think no. that was when it was, um, you, they were beta testing it. 
from yes, about yes. October right. 2005. But, but of course, again, um, you know, although it was a success when it launched, you know, that, that success has has grown because, you know, mm. the kind of thing, programs we're getting in those early days um, were much smaller than what it then, then exactly yeah on to become as you would expect of course um yeah i mean uh, what you were saying about smart tvs and all of that i mean again without getting hopefully too bogged down in it all of course you know the the, the way barb calculates the um the figures anyway is not by literally counting up every single person that's watching it well it's no, done, obviously for example so in any case um you you um we are all represented in 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 those figures, um, but we are represented by people who match our demographic, who have a bar box in their um, yeah. in their front room, you know, recording, or, you know, collecting the data of what they're what they're watching on TV. Um, the difficulty with with um, iPlayer was that, of course, it was being watched in a rather different way. You know, particularly now where people can watch it on their you know iPhones and and tablets, you know, when they're on the bus or whatever, is that that um, that doesn't really match the same way of, of um, you know, collecting that, that data. You know, um, so the, the challenge has always been how do you try and amalgamate some of this information? Because, you know, the, when you, you, if you do have a bar box in your, in your TV uh, set, it will, um, you'll put in the data about who's actually in the room watching. So mm-hmm. if you've got family of four people, then they'll all be logged in as, as watching the program at that particular point. Um, but the thing with iPlayer is that that if, if you sit around a computer and watch it, there's not really any way of knowing how many people are watching it or even necessarily how much of the program you're, you've watched. Oh, yes, yeah. The way that, that Barb does it for the TV ratings is that it's done on a not just minute by minute, second by second um basis you know so if you turn off after five minutes and 34 seconds you know it's it, it's you can see in the graphs that are published um if, if um you, you know where to look um how programs sort of ebb and flow over over their um broadcast period you yeah know, yeah look at an itv show you'll see it really dips when there's an advert break because people go out of the room and make a cup of tea or switch channels or whatever they do so um so yes it's it's the trouble with trying to then get a, a, a real fix on how many people are watching it in all these different ways is how do you how do you amalgamate this information particularly when people might watch bits of it more than once or they'll um you know they'll 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 stop watching it part way through to watch the rest of it later or whatever you know it's 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 a it's a problem it's a tricky one to get to or get even right. just people who watch it twice because you know yeah. That, again, if you're going to count something like the iPlayer figures, if one person watches, did you know this was the thing? Uh, just to go slightly off on a tangent, but when um, Night of the Doctor came out on, and it had X million views or whatever it was on YouTube, but it was seven minutes long, and my social media was filled with people who were saying, "Oh, I've just watched it for the twentieth time." Those, however many million accessors of Night of the Doctor on YouTube, if you divide it, say on average, everybody who watched it, watched it three times, well, automatically, the actual number of people who've seen it is only a third of the figure that YouTube is counting. Yeah. Well, so I'm, I'm just showing that as an example of how difficult well, it is to that's count that's up. Not true, but it, depends, it depends what you're trying to measure. I mean, nobody cares yeah. if you go to the cinema and watch a film several times. I mean, if, if it, they always talk about the, the, the box office takings. Yes, 
they don't really care if one person goes to see it 10 times or 10 people go to see it once. Well, I was um, going to bring that up too, actually, yes. You know, um, if you're um, an advertiser, I mean, this obviously isn't so much the case for the BBC, really. But, um, but, but again, you don't really care whether people are watching it more than once if it's your advert. You know, you, you, you're actually by the repetition of that, you're, you're hoping that, you know, that's why they, they put adverts on more than once anyway. Yeah, <laughs> because so that, it'll sink in, yeah. Yeah, so um, so in terms of, of uh, you know, sort of relative success, yeah, I mean, of course, you might want to get a picture of how many unique people are, are, are watching it. And so, yeah, if, if Doctor Who is watched by 8 million people one week and 8 million people the next week, um, they won't be exactly the same 8 million, of course. No. You know, they'll be, you might find that a good number of them are the same, but some people miss it one week and watch the next and vice versa. So, um that's probably more important in some ways, you know, than when they talk about the number of people that watched a particular program at all um, will be much higher than any individual episode. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, it's, if, if you're looking at simply things like, you know, number of times something's been played on, on YouTube or, or iPlayer for that matter, where, you know, these, these things are there, it depends how much you want to put an emphasis on how many unique people and how many, you know, because actually people going back to watch something again is valuable in itself. You know, that, that shows that it has a rewatchability factor, doesn't it? Well, I know, here's a question about iPlayer, which is I had always taken it that iPlayer figures weren't counted at all in the consolidated seven day figure up until, I don't know, some time ago. I can't remember exactly when. And then they started. But actually, I was looking into this this morning and I found a quote from somebody who works for Barb who says, mm. apparently, the iPlayer figures still aren't counted in the consolidated figure. Um, I no, just... they, are, they are. They are counted in the consolidated figure. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, Maybe the... he, this was a quote from... Oh, no, this was a quote. I can't work out when this was a quote from. This was probably a few years ago then. Yeah, this was a few years ago, and now they do count the, the iPlayer figures. There's a lot of kind of confusion around some of this stuff um because of the way bob counts uh you know the data through through having it it's the the, the bar box yeah. if you watch i player through your smart tv which you've been able to do for quite some time now that will that will count in the same way as if you'd just well even if you just recorded it on an old-fashioned vhs player back in the day you know yeah. um it, that that would count um, there is the one thing that's quite significant to me, and this is because we are Doctor Who fans, and Doctor Who fans tend to be what they call early adopters. So we'll get the smart TVs and we'll use the iPlayer and stuff. Yeah. But the actual percentage of the population, because of course Doctor Who is supposed to be a program that goes out to the entire population that you don't have to be a fan of sci-fi to enjoy. Yeah. You know, it's supposed to be a programme for everybody, really. And although, obviously, sci-fi fans will probably tend to be the ones who are more quickly attracted to something like that. Mm. Uh, Russell T. Davis, for example, he, he names his first episode Rose because he wants to attract people who aren't necessarily the kind of people who enjoy sci-fi. So people who aren't early adopters are still apparently not going to have smart TVs. In fact, I was looking at some quotes from people who work in the industry who say they're not even expecting smart TVs to be in more than 50% of homes, even now as we speak, in 2018. 
And that probably means that there's more than 50% of homes as well that just won't access iPlayer on a regular basis. So, I mean, again, it's it's all just factors. interrupts there you know i think you can you can get a a rough idea of some of these things if you go to the barb website um oh yeah yeah if you look at um the itv programs um although there is a there is a table which lists the figures sort of everything all in you can see itv just the standard definition table itv with hd yeah Yeah. in other words watching it on the itv hd channel and also then ITV plus ITV HD plus ITV yeah, plus one yeah. channel. You know, so people watching it on the hour later channel. Um, and you can see from that, by far the biggest component is still people watching it in standard definition on, on regular ITV. Wow. Um, and even if you have um, an HD television, you can still watch it on standard definition if you just go to number three rather than... I know. I live with people who do that. Yeah. So (laughs) until we get to a point where actually the default, I think actually ITV might have changed it recently, but we're we're starting to see more and more the HD component is becoming more dominant than it used to be. Um, But yeah, these things take time. They gradually gradually shift. Um, Yeah. And the reason I bring that up is just as another example of another factor that's kind of muddying the waters. Because, I mean, in terms of pure viewing figures, here's one contention that I'm perhaps going to make, is that despite the fact that Barb do presumably an amazing job of putting together a panel that's as accurate as you can make it, my contention is this. The more variety, the bigger variety of ways there are that you can access TV the less accurate any kind of panel is going to be because the more variations of factors there are are introduced into the equation, if you see what I mean. That... Yes. Um, I mean, for, well, I mean, one, one thing I know they do is they do regularly um, update the, the people on the panel to try to match it to whatever the current right, demographic is. Yeah, sure. So oh, and I'm one. certainly not. I'm certainly not criticising um, the organisation. I'm just saying. I think as we get into an age where the ways you can watch TV have become so multitudinous, it's just yes, so well, difficult to keep up. That's true, and also um, where if you're talking about, as we often are talking about Doctor Who or bigger programs, you know, be that the soap operas or, or, or the, you know, we've got a, they have a large enough panel really to cope with this stuff. Where yeah. I think it can sometimes get a bit tricky is if you're talking about a very obscure um, repeat of something on um, ITV Three Plus One. Um, <laughs> yeah, which you know at, at seven o'clock in the morning, um, you might find that that there are of your panel of five thousand one hundred households, um, none of them are actually watching it. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that literally nobody is watching it, um, because obviously this is the problem. Once it gets starts getting to small numbers, um, it can be more misleading because yes. you know bigger numbers. You know where we start saying you know, well, Coronation Street had seven and a half million viewers. That's kind of fine because... Well, you know, if, if 10% back. of the country's watching it, then likelihood is that 10% are going to be in that, that yeah. 5,000, right? Yeah, the problem is, as I say, just for these sort yeah. of very small programs, because, you know, you, we, once you're sort of starting to get down to... Um, we either say it's naught or a thousand, and we can't really differentiate between that. Mm-hmm. It might be that actually 780 people were watching it, but it's it's just... Um, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, I know those are small, very small numbers, and therefore they're statistically insignificant anyway. But seven hundred and eighty could be a huge difference between for between the advertiser, I guess. But yeah. seven hundred and eighty viewers is no, no, nothing one way or the other for Doctor Who. Yes, yes. Um, so you know that's the that's the thing. But it's obviously the margin of error is going to become more important the more. Um, the, the yeah, yeah. Should we look at the three Matt Smith years and see what happened then? Because, I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's difficult to say exactly, but I think around about when Matt Smith becomes the Doctor is around about when iPlayer and the influx of smart TVs starts to actually make a difference. Yeah. And so I, th- I the, the those three years with Matt Smith, although the figures actually are pretty much broadly almost exactly what they were with David Tennant. Yeah, um, people kind of forget a bit, actually. It, it more or less... Stayed the um, same, yeah. The same, yeah. I and, mean, um, the, the, just to quickly go over them so that people can see, uh, David Tennant, I said, was averaging about 7.7 million across the f- three series. And Matt Smith's so 7.73, 7.52, 7.44. So there's an ever such... Ever such a slight dip, but barely noticeable. The AIs were no, it's well within the realms of, of, of if you those figures don't don't include the sort of BBC free repeats and things like that, and yeah. they they would vary a, a certain amount. So it's it's certainly within a, a you know yeah. a margin of difference that is exactly small. And, really. and I suppose if if David Tennant had the BBC three repeats, Matt Smith's got the iPlayer, which I believe doesn't get counted at this point. So it kind of balances out the AI under David Tennant was 85, 86 and 88. And under Matt Smith, it's 86, 86 and 86. And the chart position under David Tennant was 13, 13 and 10. And under Matt Smith, it's um, 12, 15 and 14, which is it basically is all within the ballpark. There's a slight, slight yeah, dip. You might, you might barely... drop an episode of EastEnders rather than you know. It's yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Um, it, it, it's it's very small differences, really, isn't it? But essentially, then for about well, I was going to say for six years. Actually, it's not six years. It's about eight years between the start of David Tennant and the end of Matt Smith. But essentially, David Tennant and Matt Smith, pretty much across the board from start to finish, had more or less the same viewing figures um appreciation index and chart positions so really i guess because i think what we need to get into now maybe because the reason we're here is because we're about to start talking about how these things are relevant when we're looking at the popularity of the first woman doctor right right so i guess the thing that changes between david tennant matt smith and peter capaldi is that suddenly You've got an older doctor instead of a younger one. And while I don't necessarily think that's a vast factor, and I think all these other factors that I've spoken about um, are probably more important, I also think that that's something that you can't completely ignore because I think maybe there's a demographic in in between um, the end of Matt Smith and, say, Peter Capaldi's second series, there's maybe a proportion of a demographic that thinks well Doctor Who's not the programme it used to be but I think that's also offset by the different ways in which we watch television. In other words what I'm saying is we're about to get to the point at which certain things dip and I'm trying to work out why those things have dipped 
and whether that's a factor that's going to have any effect when all of a sudden we go from the old man to a young woman and whether things might pick up instead because of it. Because I think the conclusion we've got to come to at the end of this conversation is, are we expecting things to go up or stay the same or continue to drop? So Peter Capaldi starts off with an audience of about 7.3, an AI of 83 and a chart position of 14 for Series 8, which is, again, just slightly down, but broadly in line with what Matt Smith has had. But then when you come back for Series 9 and then Series 10, all three of those things have dipped. Do we yeah, think... It... Do, do you have a theory about what the reason for that dip is? Um, yeah, maybe not just one theory. I mean, if you oh, ask yeah. people... Um, People will always have their own views on, you know, including I'm not discounting myself from this on, on uh, what your own particular taste is for these things. And of course, it can be used to sort of explain all sorts of things. Well, yeah. um, yes, you're right. The the first year of Peter Capaldi's Doctor was really barely any different in yeah. terms of the um, the sort of numbers that were coming in. It was it was also it was the first year, wasn't it? That was the first year where they'd had an entire run in the autumn. Um, yes, that's right. That, yeah, we'd had we'd had um, a little bit of Matt Smith in the autumn, but but not properly. I think the the Twice, first bit. Yeah, we had yeah. the second half of series six, and then the first half of series seven. Yeah, and I don't really even think of that run of Asylum of the Daleks through to because it was September. I mean, that's still sort of when it's you know yeah yeah September now it's beautiful sunshine and and but I don't really almost feel the autumn's even quite started then but so this was the first time we had a series which certainly went as late as um into October and November, November yeah um since since they come back of course um it was also on um perhaps slightly it was on slightly later from about episode five or six, six wasn't it six I think um, which did have a little bit of an effect if you go back and look. It's suddenly, um, you know, how much of that can be put down to um, it being on later and how much of that is because it, it might have slightly declined anyway. Again, we, we can only speculate, really, because none of these things are the only factor. That's, yeah, that's the yeah. thing to say. There are always lots of things going on which create, you know, the, the results we get. Um, but broadly speaking, I think it, it, it as you said, you know, across the... 12 episodes of Peter Capaldi's first year. It's it's pretty much in line with what we had seen before. And then the second year is, the I think, the first time since Doctor Who returned that there had been a, a, a noticeable drop in, in just raw viewing figures, but yeah. also, um, as you say, the relative chart position and, and so on. So... Um, one of those things, um, I mean, I, I remember pointing this out from DWM at the time and, and wrote quite a column about the fact that I felt they hadn't marketed that series as well as they sometimes had. It was it was one of those series where it was the same Doctor and the same companion yes. as before. Quite often there'd been a change of at least one of those things. Um, and so that it was slightly lacking a what's new aspect. It wasn't the first time that those things had, had stayed the same, but it was, um, but it was still un common and I, I felt that um, they'd held back some of the um, potential selling points like for example Davros being in the first episode I think um, Davros is one of those characters that people know and recognize even if they're not 
that expert yeah. in all areas of Doctor Who. I think that would have been a good thing to have, you know, really trumpeted. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, it also had that trailer which um, had the line about same old, same old, which I thought was a rather <laughs> yeah. odd thing yeah. to put in because it, it made sense in the context of the programme when that line was said, but I've, I wouldn't put it in a trailer. I think it, it, it's a very odd it doesn't Same say. Like it doesn't say. Here's a good place to jump aboard, or yeah, it doesn't well, I mean, peak your uh, excitement. I mean, yeah. it depends how much, of course, you know, you can put down into trailers. There was also the fact that that year, um, the the scheduling of some of the early episodes went out against big rugby world cup matches. That would have played its part. Well, um, that, this is that was my contention at the time. Yeah. Was that all five of the first five episodes were scheduled against? Big matches in a some rugby... bigger than others, yeah. Because I think yeah. one of them was England versus Wales, which was particularly. I think that might have been the second episode went up against that. Um, so, the, I think also the fact that that happened at the start of the series, which may have um, stopped people getting into it, meant that even when the Rugby World Cup had finished, the series was now several yes. weeks, and they just hadn't yes. got. It, it know, was my contention that if you missed the first five episodes, you're much less likely to go back and start catching up from the middle, I, are you? I think people are creatures of habit. That first yeah. year of Peter Capaldi, it, whether whatever you think about it, broadly speaking, as I say, it, it had the similar um, sort of viewing figures, and people watched it through to the end for the most part. Um, once momentum is broken, I think it's quite difficult to get back. So... If, if they'd been able to pick up with the next series at a similar level, I think it would have carried through. But it, it got off to a poorer start, and I don't think it recovered. That's no. not to say that the figures were objectively bad, because they weren't. They, you know, they were still fine. But it was noticeably lower than where it had been before, even when you took into account you know, some of the other methods of watching and, and obviously looking beyond the seven days that, um, that, that Barb counts. You can always look. To, to you know 28 days and, further, and even you know... beyond do you know i i heard yeah. a figure from um i think uh, i can't remember i wish i'd made a note of this because i mentioned it a couple of weeks ago on the podcast and I'll, I'll say it to you now because it slightly beggared my belief but somebody mentioned that a tv station in america presumably not one of the big ones they'd put out this figure that suggested that more than 50% of their drama output was being accessed over 30 days after the initial broadcast. That's mm. just an... in Now, obviously, the, from one programme to another, that's going to vary. Something like The Bodyguard is a on-the-night water cooler thing. So, And this was presumably a small station that maybe was putting out a lot of repeats or whatever, and people were just accessing a lot of repeats yeah. because they fancied some old program or whatever. I... But, but, but what I'm trying to illustrate with that is the consolidated figures for the seven days now are showing less and less of the full picture because people will record and save things much more than they used to. Well, and to that extent, when is the full picture? You can never get to the full picture as you can always watch it, you know, a year later, two years later. Exactly. Um, yeah. So there is a line on the graph where it trickles down to virtually nothing um, for anything, um, and of course, as we all know, we you know there are always new people watching old Doctor Who stories from decades ago for the yes. first time. Um, how many people watch Doctor Who episodes for the first time on Twitch recently? I'm sure there, there were quite a few, but um, but but you know, just to have a a, 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 a meaningful you know yeah, um, yeah. 
we're going to measure it at all. We have to have some point where we 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 try to level the playing field and say this is where this is the period we're looking at. So yes, I think we should be looking at plus twenty eight day figures. We should be looking further beyond that. But um, but of course, it is important that people do watch it within a certain yeah. time frame. Partly because I, I, it gets to a point. How many? How often do you might sort of record something meaning to watch it, and actually you get to a stage where you think that's been on my Sky Plus for for months. I'm never going to get round to it. So, yeah. well, but all I'm really trying to say is this: the seven day figures. The further we get through. And I'm only saying by a degree, by a fraction. I'm not saying, you know, become completely irrelevant. But the seven-day figures, as we go through from 2005 to sort of 2017, just become that slight bit less relevant because, you know, increasing numbers of people. And again, only a fraction, because as I say, I I still think well over 50% of the population is, as you say, watching in SD on ITV1, you know, live. Yes, and and to give to give your listeners a a, a rough idea with Doctor Who specifically, I think there was a difference of between about 0.4 million and 0.5 million for the most part that you could add on to yeah. Doctor Who figures from day eight to day twenty eight. Yeah. So we're not talking huge numbers, but we are talking some. You know, yeah. we're talking a bit more. Um, and what those figures would have been in 2005, well, we don't know because they weren't really recorded at that time, um, presumably would have been rather less at that time. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's maybe somewhere in the region of between 5 and 10%, maybe, I guess. Um, Around about that sort of ballpark. Yeah, what 10%. Yeah, I suppose that would be, that would be about... Uh, yeah, probably well, nearer than 5%, but yeah, yeah. After that as well. But, but you know, by the, generally, you can... You, if, if you know... If you get the sort of um, data coming through in Excel spreadsheets, you can sort of see where it sort of really starts trickling off. Even even in Doctor Who terms, um, you can see um, you get a watch of people who watch it live, a watch of people who watch it the same night but later on, and quite a watch of people who watch it on the the next night, Sunday. Yeah, has been, um, and it's gone down a bit further by the month and by the Tuesday. When you know it, it's a it's a graph that goes basically further and further down the further you go. Yeah, on. yeah. That's what you'd expect, wouldn't you? You know, obviously it does keep on going, but it's gonna, it's gonna peter down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but you know, I guess the reason I'm sort of moving in the conversation in this direction is perhaps to say, how important are the viewing figures? And because one thing I've also looked at is the last few times BBC World put out a their BBC Studios now, but the last few BBC prospectuses have given an indication of how much of Doctor Who is actually funded by BBC Worldwide. And we yeah. know BBC America puts money into it too. So so you get to the how point... Is it? Well, well, I'm just going to say... Who, really? I yes. Mean, well, that's... To, to, funny enough, for all the time we spend talking about it, for the likes of you and me, not really at all. Um, yeah. But, you know, if you're talking about whether it means they'll carry on making the programme... Um, viewing figures are a part of it, but but there's obviously other other factors beyond that, um, including obviously where they can sell it to other other parts of the world, um, including of course things like licenses for for commercial products, all of those kind of things. So yes, Doctor Who has always had, or, or for a long time anyway, has had um, other other factors which yes. which are were considered. Particularly as you quite rightly point out, it's got more of a commercial investment in it now. Um, also, 
purely from a sort of demographics point of view, I think Doctor Who fills a place in the schedule which um, doesn't or isn't filled as easily by by certain other shows. Um, so even if it weren't doing as well as it as it has been, um, it could be justified um, simply on the the basis of the sort of people that are watching. You know, because the BBC is supposed to be, um, you know, serving every all its licence fee payers. You know, so yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, you know, EastEnders viewers are important, but if um, but if you know, there are a totally different group of people who are watching something quite small on BBC Four who that's their favorite program that's still worth making so you know raw numbers tell us you know and we all like a, a big number don't we so yeah. you know whether um uh when it's something we're a fan of but you know it, it, it's as much to do with um demographics and and uh you know the the place in the schedule i think you know look at doctor who on christmas day i think that's interesting because it's been on every single christmas day since 2005 um and i i think it's really clear from that 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 it's a program which for that day serves a very very particular purpose yeah yeah. um you could see why why they like it there because it, it generally goes on a little bit earlier on christmas day than it sometimes does at other times of the year and um you know, it just works for them. Um, it, it's it, if they had lots of programs that serve the same demographic as Doctor Who, it might be that Doctor Who wouldn't still be on on Christmas Day. But it's actually something which is still not, if not entirely unique, it's pretty unusual. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the, we've had other programs which, you know, Merlin might be a good example. Um, a few others which have sort of come and gone, but Doctor Who is sort of carried on. Um, so, you know, that's, that's not something to be taken lightly either. No, absolutely. Very true. And look, just to get to series 10 then, to sort of, um, land up at the last series before the one we're at now, well, twice upon a time, got an audience of just under 8 million, which probably, which probably given the plus 28 means that roughly... Eight and a half million probably ended up watching it. It's it's on the bar website. Yeah. Chart position was inside the top 10 at number nine. The AI was 81 and series 10 averaged just under five and a half million, which probably, like you say, means that maybe around about just under six million watched it within that that month or whatever. The chart position was it averaged 21, which only puts it just outside the top 20. And yes, that's... it was actually. I think um, being particularly anal about this, I think the chart position was slightly higher than the year before, um, where I think it averaged twenty three. But um, yes, but you're they, right. That, it did. It did go that up. Could possibly be. Um, you know, it was. We moved back to the spring last last time round. Um, so so that 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 will have had an effect. Yes, it was down again a little bit, which was. Um, it wasn't down quite as much, but it was still another decline. And, and given that it was 18 months, I think the fact that it was only down by less when it should really have been more because of the extra amount of time between the series probably means that actually it was picking up slightly, if you know what I mean. Right, well, yeah, kind of. I mean, I think um, it, it, it all depends on sort of what expectations you yeah, have. Yeah. What what our expectations might be might be different to what the BBC's expectations and so on. Um, I think um, what was noticeable about last series, and indeed it's been a pattern which has been becoming more and more clear for some time, is that 
Um, while the overall figures have been slightly dropping, um, the, they're particularly dropping in terms of the live numbers. Um, I've got a few, I, I think I put them in my last column for DWM, um, if I just look them up here a minute. Okay. Um, the, live, the live numbers for the last series, and I don't mean the overnights, I mean actually watching live. Oh yes, so, because we should explain overnights include anybody who watches it before the end of that day. So that means people... That's right. So people right. who record it and watch it later that evening are still counted in the overnights. That's that's correct, you know, because obviously by the time it's going to be reported, we might as well include the people who've you know, seen the... Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that also is, a big, again, a very trivial point. But um, in 2005, the overnights were live figures. Um, from the Christmas invasion onwards, the overnights were live figures plus people who watched it later that night. So that's, oh, really? uh, that's changed. But for last series, um, the series that started with the pilot, um, the li- the average live number, mm-hmm. you know, literally watching as it went out, was 2.6 million. And um, as you just said, the the consolidated after a week figures was about five and a half. So we're going up. That's more. It's now got to the point where more people are watching it. Uh, that's all up. Yeah. Free, isn't it? That's, that's almost it's certainly. It's More just than... over twice as many. The consolidated yeah. figures is just over twice as many as the actual live audience. But the, the, the number of people catching up has stayed relatively consistent for a few years now. Where we've had the overall drop, the viewers that have been lost have tended to be more from the live numbers. Yeah. The, the, the catch-up numbers have slightly gone down as well, but, but it's far more gone from the live numbers. So there's an argument for saying... Um, that, that you know, is it is it in the right time slot? Is it is it at a time when people want to to, to watch it live? Um, is it the sort of program actually that that people have just now got so used to watching when they want feel to, like? Yeah. Um, I remember I think Stephen and I were chatting at one point where he sort of said, "Have we got to a stage where we've we've got so good at training people to to catch up?" Because there were lots of trailers for watch it on iPlayer, watching it. Hmm. You know, it's still available for however long. It, once you've trained people not to watch it live, it's quite difficult to get them back into the habit of watching it live. Again. <laughs> yeah, it's um, and I think that's that's a fair point. I mean, the lowest live figure for last series, um, which, which was also the lowest um, consolidated rating as well, was one point eight million for the Eaters of Light, um, and it's. It's tricky now because, you know, in terms of live audience, you know, and it's only part of the story, of course it is, but it's not it's not delivering huge numbers in the way that it used to, even, even compared to other programmes. So when you're looking at, um, obviously, programmes like Strictly Come Dancing, which are huge anyway, um, but, but programmes like Country File, I mean, we're talking about the Sunday night slot. Country File has a very good regular live audience, Um certainly rather larger than Doctor Who's. It won't have the same number of catch-up viewers, but it will get people watching it as it goes out. Um, so if you're talking about where you put something into a schedule, well, you're really considering the number of people who are actually going to watch a programme live, because if, if they're watching on catch-up, the schedule is relatively... Irrelevant to them. Irrelevant. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so if if we're looking at changing the day that Doctor Who goes out, you know, that's the component of the rating which you would be looking at to see if there's any change. Ah, oh, so uh, what you're saying essentially is if you can add another 
I don't know, just pull a figure out of the air. If you can add another 2 million viewers on Doctor Who's live figure and the catch-up figure says the same, you've added 2 million viewers to its overall well, if figure, it, if, yeah, essentially. If straightforward. Um, of course, that may not happen in practice because you, well, no. be, you may be pulling viewers away from the catch-up to do yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, the, the, this is the other interesting thing about the, the, the change of day, um, and I'll, I'll be watching this very closely, as I'm sure <laughs> will. Um, but when I mentioned before that, you know, Doctor Who had, um, it, the, obviously it had its live number and then people watched it that live, it, it would get a pretty sizable number of people that would watch it on a Sunday. So if you look at the, the, the sort of, as the figure builds up across a week, you know, if you, um, if, if you see how many people watched it on a Sunday, how many people watched it on a Monday, Tuesday and going through this, it gradually goes down as the week goes on. Um, but, Sunday was a huge number and I suspect that's partly because well it's fairly obvious isn't it it's it's still pretty much brand new but it's still the weekend um you know maybe yeah yeah might have watched it on the Saturday night and then the kids that were it was on too late for can watch it Sunday afternoon or whatever so changing it to a Sunday for the first broadcast it, it is going to be interesting because um you're not going to have the rest of the weekend to watch it anymore yeah. Um, so will that affect the catch-up number? Um, it might do. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether it does. Obviously, you will have you'll have it at the other end. If you see what I mean, it'll be now the the, the seventh day of catch-up will now be the following Saturday. But, um, but and plus, as you say, maybe those people who would normally have caught up on the Sunday on from the Saturday broadcast will actually watch it live on the Sunday now. Well, there's there's lots of things going on, and yeah. this is it's, it's not as straightforward as just. Um, a change of time slot it, it, it will it will affect the pattern of people watching and, you know again part of the reason why I think sometimes going out earlier in the evening is is preferable is because you can still watch it later in the evening if you want to whereas oh, if it yeah. goes out later in the evening you can't watch it earlier so well this is why my original thought and this was an original thought I gave about 15 months ago on the podcast as it turns out I went back to try and find out is um that it should go on before Country File on a Sunday because that gives yeah. anybody who wants to watch Doctor Who but isn't around the chance to watch it while, say, if they don't want to watch Antiques Roadshow, they do Doctor Who on Catch Up while Antiques Roadshow is on. Uh, but well, this was. I'm, yeah, we'll I get it. Because one thing we're going to talk about is whereabouts. I mean, by the time this podcast goes out, which will only be in a couple of days' time anyway, we might know. But whereabouts on a Sunday evening? Where, well, I suppose there are two questions. Where do you think it would work best? And where do you think it might actually go? Because the answer might not necessarily be the same to both of those questions. Well, um, I'm yet to be 100% convinced that moving into a Sunday is is a good idea. But, of course... It may prove to be, of course. Even if the series is a great hit, it doesn't prove that it wouldn't have been a great hit on a Saturday. So, yeah. um, so you you can never know what the other option would have been in the no. parallel universe where something didn't happen, and that's the great joy of these uh, discussions. Is that <laughs> you can't you can't prove it one way or the other. You can only say, well, I think if they'd done this, then this would have been the result. Um, I think maybe there's a feeling that with those live numbers on a Saturday, which I was just talking about, they've they've got to a point where they are relatively low. I mean, I, I um, you know, sort of lower than the live figures for pointless and things like that. So you sort of think, well, why would you, if you're, if you're thinking of a schedule, yeah, 
might as well prioritize a program that's going to get more on the night because, you know, people will catch up with Doctor Who wherever you put it. However, of course, that, that's not to say that it's not still an important component. You know, there's still quite a few people who are watching it live. Yes. And if you move it to a Sunday, would it, you don't want to move it so early that you make that live figure even lower. I mean, you know, the, the, the ludicrous example of if you put it on at four in the morning, yes, of course it would be, um, of course it would be lower then. Um, and it wouldn't get back up to the point of, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, so yes, there, there probably is a point which is too early and there's probably a point which is too late. Um, and the schedulers are having to work it out so that it, it doesn't, have a, a negative impact on their other programs as well. They're not just doing it for Doctor Who's benefit. They've got to work it for work it out for everything. So Country File and Strictly has for quite a long time been a very strong partnership on a Sunday night. Well, and Antiques Roadshow as well, of and course. Antiques Roadshow, yes, yeah. it's not on all the year round, but it's and on quite the year. And as, as best as I understand it as well, the new series of Antiques Roadshow is due to start in October. That's where it usually starts, as yeah. opposed to the repeats they've had on during the summer. I mean, it's possible that they might rest Antiques Roadshow for a few weeks and put the new episodes on after Christmas. But let's assume for now you've got brand new Country File, brand new Strictly Results, brand new Doctor Who and brand new Antiques Roadshow going out on Sunday evenings through October and they've to be finished by nine o'clock because that's when you've got, um, I'm assuming Poldark is back at nine o'clock, which means that roughly speaking those four programmes have to fit between half past five and nine o'clock. What order do you put them in? Do you do put Doctor um, Who on at the start or do you fit it somewhere in the middle? Well, I think I think it is a bit too much, actually, as you, as you say. That I, as far as I'm aware, I think Antics Roadshow's got about another three or four uh, episodes to run because they've taken a short break, but that's still of the um, of the current series. Yeah. Um, so it's proper new series, I don't think, starts until um, the very end of the year or early next year. So I think Antics Roadshow will be out of the equation for the most part, actually. Oh, maybe that's so, it then. Um, so I think what we're going to have, this is, this may all be proved totally wrong, but I, um, I believe we're likely to see country file into the strictly results as we have done, um, for, for quite a few years anyway. And then Doctor Who after that, I don't think Doctor Who's going particularly early. Um, but that would put it eight o'clock or so though. Yeah, I mean, of course, the, this is the other thing they have to think about is that the, the, neither BBC One nor ITV really wants the X Factor results to clash with the Strictly results. So yeah. we're, we're more or less going to find there's a there's a junction where, as Strictly is finishing, that's the point where X Factor starting on ITV. Um, th this is what I suspect is going to happen: is that Doctor Who will then find itself up against the X Factor results, um, which, well, we shall see. It's, it's gone up against X Factor before, and X Factor isn't quite what it was, but um, arguably Doctor Who isn't quite what it was. Yeah, um, to, yeah. You know, raw numbers there. Um, particularly when it comes to, as I say, from a scheduling point of view, the live figures. Um, so it's, it's, it's going to be tough, but then it's, you know, these are big shows that are, that are battling for a mainstream audience. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not there to, you know, ITV isn't there to, to do the BBC any favours. Um, in terms of scheduling and so on. I guess um, from the BBC's perspective, they're thinking, as things stand, people are sticking with the BBC maybe till the X Factor results come on, then tuning away, then maybe coming back afterwards. But if yeah. you stick something strong against the X Factor, 
Maybe the viewers will just stay with the BBC for the entire evening and maybe forget the X Factor results, or at least yeah. a certain number of them. It's, it's, it's complicated anyway, isn't it? Because one of, the, one of the problems, I think, it didn't help Doctor Who following Strictly. Yeah. Um, that, was, that was quite on the, on, on the Saturday nights when that happened before. Um, it, it, didn't, it didn't necessarily damage it hugely, but it didn't really seem to benefit it either, partly because, as I say, people don't tend to watch programmes that they don't otherwise want to watch. You, we, as, as we were saying right back at the start, you know, we watch... We, we can't really be tricked into watching a program that we that we actually <laughs> yeah. are interested in, um, at least not for more than a couple of minutes or so before we think we'll do something else. Um, so when when I mean Strictly itself has quite a few people that time shifted later in the night, so I think that that ends up going into Doctor Who's time. By which point, you know Doctor Who gets shunted out to, uh, maybe we'll watch it the next day or the next day. Um, so yeah, it's it's. A, I don't have all the answers because, um, you know, it's a tricky one. But where where Doctor Who fits into the schedule when it's been slightly, you know, uh, down in terms of the, 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 the live uh, component, I don't know. I'm not sure. You know, we're increasingly moving to a, to a world where we don't really have schedule. I don't think we're there yet. We're not any, we're anywhere close to it just yet. Um, but but we're on that path, and there will be a time I think where the idea of of having a fixed schedule at all is just going to to, to disappear. You know, we're we're already finding that a lot of the big shows that people talk about are things that appear on Netflix at a certain time, and and you know we we then watch them when you know as soon as we uh, yeah you know we, we get to them. Um, so I don't know whether um, I, I think Doctor Who is the type of show actually which is not a, a schedule show anymore, um, which is perhaps a, you know, a, a sad realization in some ways of the way things are going is that, that schedule shows, the kind of shows that just pick up people to watch because they're around and they've got nothing else to watch. Um, they, they, you know, they've got half an hour to kill our, our quiz shows and things like that, because you don't, you know, if you come in halfway through, it doesn't matter. Hmm. Whereas that's not really true of dramas and, um, yeah, you know, yeah. You have to sort of sit down. I don't, I don't think there's, there's any shame in that, but it does mean that um, you know it, it, it's you know the world has changed in that way, and Doctor Who has changed. Well, and of course, one of the reasons Chris Chibnall was given the job is because he delivered something with Broadchurch, and you still get this every now and again. And we've just had it with <laughs> um, the Bodyguard. Uh, we had it um, a few years ago with. Um, line of duty i think but broadchurch certainly was an example every now and again you get a program that comes along where people and it's probably becoming increasingly rare but it still happens where people will actually still make an appointment for it and this is what the bbc presumably are hoping is going to happen with chris yeah. chibnall and doctor well, who it's, it's funny isn't it you, you you use the word making an appointment well i think you're making an appointment if you choose to watch it on a wednesday at eight o'clock yes true it, true it, it, but you, the point is we make our own appointments now. Um, I, I know what you mean, and I agree, actually. I think um, you, you get these occasional things which really take off, like Bodyguard, like um, Broadchurch, um, and, and, a, and a few other shows, particularly um, when they have a sort of serial nature and you, you, know, you, you, you don't want to wait in case someone... Oh, yeah, works. yeah. So that, that helps. But even, even so, Bodyguard has been consolidated into 10 million 
but it's nowhere near that watching it live. It's, it's something, it's about half that. Um, because even the overnights, which have been around seven, include people who have been watching it later that night. So, right, yeah. um, and, and of course we don't know the plus 28 figures yet, but I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if we're adding on another million or, 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 or yeah. possibly or after that, at which point, you know, even for a show like that, um, the live figure is, is half of the, of the, 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 the eventual total. So while what? it's true, a lot of people yeah. are tuning to watch it as, you know, the moment it's out there, there's still an awful lot of people who aren't, but, but do still want to watch it. Yeah. Well, and I was just going to say as well, and I don't think this is why Chris Chibnall cast Jodie Whittaker, but certainly it helps. Having the first woman doctor maybe gives an audience that um, incentive to tune in live or as near as live as damn it, at least for the first episode or maybe a couple of episodes, yeah. just to I mean... see it. Doctor Who has something very special, anyway, which is that that it regularly, yeah, not that regularly, but you know, over the over the fifty five years, it has changed its lead actor quite a number of times, and of course, all of those occasions has given you um, an extra incentive. I, I must see the new one. So, in that to that extent, it's no different, really. Is it? I think that would be the case, whoever the new Doctor was. Um, is it an extra bit of interest for that? Maybe a bit. Um, we shall see. Um, I, I think, you know, it, it, it's not like there's anything extra to find out. We know she's a woman, so yeah. <laughs> there's no extra um, t- twist on top of that that, that we all that we all need to see live. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, it's just that um, I, I, I think, you know, with with a new doctor, you're inevitably going to get a few more people who who are intrigued enough to to check that out. Overall, though, my my feeling is that that Doctor Who has a, a a certain number of people who are very loyal to it and like watching it, and that for the most part they will carry on. Um, there will also be a few people that are kind of interested, but um, but not necessarily that loyal. Otherwise, they would be in the first category. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, you're not going to 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 get that every single week. Um, I so my, yeah. my feeling is it's it's going to rather boringly rumble along in the, in the similar sort of way where the, the it's a, it's a similar sort of rating to what it's had in recent times. Um, there's always going to be new viewers coming in. There's always going to be older viewers who who drop away, um, drop dead in some cases. I mean, you know, when <laughs> when we're talking about decades, of course the the, the, view, the viewership is going to gradually change, um, but. My my guess is we're going to end up, you know, roughly in the sort of similar ballpark to where we were last year, but but we shall see. Well, that was going to be my last question, sort of basically to end on, to 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 ask, you know, do you expect it to go up or go down? And well, you've said it there. You expect, probably... yeah. I mean, it, it's it's um, this is only a prediction, and you know, I I could be I could be very wrong, but um. There are some unknowns here as well, as you mentioned, that the Sunday slot might have a big effect, um, or it might not. It might be. I think in the end, you know, there are there are a certain number of people who want to watch Doctor Who, and I don't think there are that many people that um, that have never heard of it or have never wanted. You know, I, I, yeah, I yeah. see that it's suddenly going to b- become a massive difference to what we've had before. Um, so my guess would be that we'll see a bigger 
um, opening night audience than we have for the last couple of series, partly because it is a new doctor and that tends to happen. Um, and then I think it will sort of settle down um, into that, that region that we've had before. Um, but it, of course, the, the further ahead you go, it really depends on whether people like what they see, doesn't it? And I don't right. know that. Um, I, you know, I can make a prediction for episode one because that's that's just based on on the interest that I you, you generally think is there. But beyond that, if, if if people really love episode one or really don't take to it, then that's going to have a knock on effect for how it goes from there. So, um, but but that said, I, I would expect it if it, if it rumbles along back at about the five and a half million viewers that it had last year, that would not be a huge shock to me. No, I've got to say as well, before we started talking and before I even um, asked you to do this podcast, you know, when I said I was intending to do a podcast about viewing figures before Series 11 went out, that was what I was going to end up saying myself. You know, I I expect five and a half sort of that sort of region of viewers is what we'll get because, you know, there's a reason why trends happen. Yeah, and it's and called... generally the trend is down. I mean, yeah, this is yeah. Not just not for Doctor Who in it, just in isolation, but for for anything. Yeah. Um, you know, the X Factor has been dropping every single year since 2010. Um, you know, in 2010 it was averaging 14 million viewers. It's now around. Uh, I think last year it was averaged around six consolidated. So that's, that's six over over half. Wow. Of, yeah. Of, peak but that's still pretty good it's yeah, just, yeah. It looks good from where it was um you well, know this and, is and, yeah people always know, say oh doctor who's not getting as many viewers as it did for that episode when the doctor looked like he was going to regenerate when he met rose again and i'm like doctor who has never had the viewing figures it had for that episode because that was the series absolute peak you know at least since the return in 2005 you can't compare apples and oranges you can't well i mean people pick and choose a bit don't they? i mean look, yeah. journey's end was a remarkable um episode for lots of reasons and it got a huge number of people watching it um but but the david Tennant era didn't get that every single week no it um, averaged but, about and, seven and a half or so like yeah, i said you with... know actually some episodes i think the sontaran stratagem was about six and a half or so i mean you, we can look these up you know and, and so there's always been a you know, uh, uh, it's been flexible from one week to the other. It's possibly actually the the, the amount it's changed um, last year might have, might not be quite varying quite so much. Now. Yeah. Um, when when you get higher numbers, inevitably by its very nature, it's because you're getting people who are um, just casually watching that one. So of course that that's going to increase more. You know, there's going to be more variance. Um, so I think. Um, you know, we we shall see with the new series. Um, and uh, the 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 beyond episode one, which none of us quite know what we're going to to see until we see it. Um, it it really does depend on how how people then like it and whether they get hooked on it. I do think it's important that that it does get off to a a, a good start though, because as I say, if you once once you've got that first, you know, your first yes. weeks audience i think if you haven't sort of started watching it by the second or third they start to pile up and people don't get on board yeah. so it is important to start well um for any show you know not not uh, not picking on doctor who specifically um and i do think that was that was one thing which slightly cost them in 2015 you know the series yeah, where yeah. um I, I think it just didn't get off quite to the start that it 
it usually had. Yes, I've uh, got to say, there's been times when I've been thinking, oh, I must watch that series, that looks great. I'll record them because I can't make the first one. And then a month later, you think, God, there's four there now, there's five, I'm not going to catch up, and you just yeah. delete it. We all do it. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It's, 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 um, so, so, yes, it is important from that point of view. I mean, I don't know, my, my, if you really want me to nail my colours to the mask, I was sort of expecting, um, a, 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 for the first episode, um, an overnight figure sort of starting with a five, but going up to, into the into the sevens, um, and then settling down, uh, you know, somewhat lower than that. But uh, but you know, maybe maybe it'll be a bit more, maybe it'll be a bit less, maybe yeah. it'll be a lot more. Um, but uh, I don't know whether, you know, in, in the end, Doctor Who is Doctor Who. It's not. It's not. You're not going to get people watching it who don't like Doctor Who. No, <laughs> you're really not. Um, and, and, the, the important thing is, if they're still selling it around the world, you know, and if BBC Studios, as is now, are still investing in it, then the BBC themselves aren't going to cancel it, you know, because the if the lion's share of the investment's coming in from outside, and if it's still doing every well everywhere else, as yeah. long as it doesn't dip below a certain level, then the BBC will still be interested enough in showing it here, I would have thought. Yeah. The kind of exactly. neighbours yeah. model. That's what from... I was saying. It's, it, we, we tend to get a little bit obsessed <laughs> with viewing figures. <laughs> but um, but it's, it's a, it, that in itself, um, for all the caveats we've been talking about, is still only you know, part of a, of a, larger, of a larger picture. Um, but don't underestimate, having said that, that, that you know, everyone, you know, even in the BBC, even where you know, they're, they're not supposed to care about these things so much, everyone likes a hit. Yeah. If... if, if um, when when Bodyguard had its, um, uh, you know, once it, the first ones had gone out, I think for the third episode they introduced it with uh, saying, you know, ten million of you will watch this. They they like they're not above yes. wanting to brag at, about their successes, um, <laughs> you know. So so they will be absolutely hoping um, for a good number for Doctor Who, and and you know, even though it, on one level it doesn't matter that much, you know. Uh, they 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 want it to be a hit. Of course they do. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for coming in, Tom. Before you go, I was going to do this at the start of the episode, and I've just realised I forgot, so I'll do it now. This is a regular, well, a semi-regular feature we have every now and again. You might find it quite interesting. I've called it Logan's Look. One of our listeners was telling me about um, the fact that he was doing the journey through the whole of Doctor Who with his son, who was, well, he was six when he started. He's eight now. And what he's been doing is he's just been sending me a sentence or so on each of the stories as they've gone through. So I've just got three sto- the three latest stories that he's done to uh, uh, Logan, who's eight. These are what he thought of them. And the reason I'm enjoying doing this is because, well, as sort of, older fans we have certain perspectives on these stories i think it's fascinating to see what an eight-year-old thinks of them so okay here's his thoughts on enlightenment because we're uh, currently halfway through season 20 he says i thought that the sailing ships in space was a bit weird and i was surprised to see that they were in space and not on the water the crystal for enlightenment just looked like a much bigger version of the crystal which Turlo used to communicate with the Black Guardian, although it was good that Turlo decided to help the Doctor score for this story that we fans tend to think of as one of the classics of its period, four and a half out of ten. Oh, right, okay. 
Well, it was good he was surprised by them being in space because so that is supposed to be a surprise. Well, yes, so, true. So that's that's a, that's a good thing. Uh, um, he goes on to the King's Demons. He said it was pretty good when the Master was revealed at the end of episode one. Chameleon was very funny when we first saw him as a robot. It doesn't look like a normal robot. Score, six out of ten. Okay, right. So he prefers the King's Demons to Enlightenment. And then yeah. finally... Finally for this week, The Five Doctors. It was good to see all the old Doctors again, but it was annoying that we didn't get to see more of the fourth Doctor. Mm. It was good to see all the old companions too, as well as all the old monsters and the Master. The best thing about it was seeing all the old Doctors, companions and monsters. I don't remember who Jamie and Zoe were. Anyway, I really enjoyed this story. Seven and a half out of ten. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, well, I mean, The Five Doctors is... uh... Yeah. I think I think that deserves at least a seven and a half. Um, so yeah, I'll go along with that. Um, yeah, it's 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 fascinating, isn't it? Hearing what uh, you know, what what young viewers might make of it, particularly now. Um, yeah, I think yeah. I saw that that Davison season there, which I, I of course I was about seven or eight when they were on, but um, but yes, it's slightly lacking in monsters around that period. At least the Five Doctors has got Cybermen and. And a Dalek and things like that, but um, is it, yeah, you get to five yeah, doctors and you think, oh, thank God for that, Doctor Who's back. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I enjoy Enlightenment, but yes, perhaps it's uh, perhaps if it had a more of a, a monster of some sort in it, that might help. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I think maybe the King's Demons. He likes that more because you've got a bit more outdoors. You've got the knights and the horses and the yeah. a bit of combat. Anyway, his dad, Adrian Sturrock, just adds a little note at the end. He does this at the end of every season. He says, Logan's favourite story of season 20 was Snake Dance, while his least least favourite was Enlightenment. My favourite story, says Adrian, on the other hand, is Enlightenment. So we are back, and he's referring back to previous seasons, where Logan's least favourite is my favourite again, while my least favourite story is Terminus which um, Logan, if I remember rightly, gave about five and a half out of ten to and quite liked. Anyway, Tom, I have kept you for quite long enough. It's been nearly two hours since we actually sat down. You're going to have to edit this down a bit. (laughs) No, I think it's been fascinating. And I think the listeners will think so too, because I... I talk about it often enough on the podcast. I've just never been able to get into this much detail with it before, and I've really enjoyed it. So thank you very much for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. And, um, well, I hope you enjoy Series 11 when it comes back. Three weeks today as we record. Let's, uh, well, we'll just have to wait and see what it has in store for us. But until possibly next week, uh, but that is my operation, so maybe we'll be taking a break, so maybe we'll be back the week after with reviews. Uh, No, I've just remembered. We're recording one more and then... We'll be taking a week out. Anyway, until next week, I was JR, and this was Tom, and we'll speak again soon.
I made a right old cock of that at the end. I forgot I'm recording one more. I was thinking we were going off on the break. 